A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. All right. What is up, football fans? I am Danny Austin here in the Nation Network studios in Calgary on a beautiful Sunday. This is the Live from the 55 podcast want to thank our sponsor fraser and fig uh before we get going but let's do this let's hop into it man this has been a bizarre weekend in the cfl i am i am still very much catching my breath we are recording this on a sunday so that is before uh the argos and the edmonton elks face off at sort of 5 p.m local time so um normally i i don't always love that you know, recording before the final game, you know, you'd love to talk about all four, but let's be honest, I don't care that much about that game. Um, Elks and Argos, I think that we had a lot of other things to talk about and we're going to do that. Um, you know, I look forward to later in the week talking about what is sure to be a lopsided Toronto Argonauts win. Should I be saying that when this podcast will be dropped on Monday morning after that game and it's possible that things go very different? Probably not, but... I have a feeling. Um, I think the Sargos team is good, and I have a feeling that this Elks team is not. Um, that said, I can tell you one thing I did not have a feeling for. I called the Lions and Bombers on Thursday night the the game of the weekend. I think that those are the two best teams in the league right now. I think the Lions have really surprised people um, out of the gate, and I think the Bombers are the Bombers. You know, obviously won the Grey Cup in 2019-21. Um and then lost it in in crazy fashion last year. So, you know, those are the two best teams in the league. I thought this was a heavyweight matchup. Did not play out that way. Turns out the Lions were a lot better than the Bombers. Uh, 30-6 to six win. First time that we've seen a team do that to Winnipeg in I don't even know how long, but they definitely ha- haven't lost that way. The number of seasons, and I don't know. I don't know that this is a, a changing of the guard. I don't want to overreact to one game, but I, I think that this signals to us that we got to, treat these lions like the real deal they are a great cup contender um yeah it's only week three but you know when you see a team manhandle a veteran group a group that's been here a group that's been in big games the way that the lions did the bombers i i, I think you have no choice but to take them seriously i like the way vernon adams is playing i think that defensive line is absolutely elite i, I think they just come at you in waves they hit you again and again i like these lions i uh you know they shut out the elks the time i wondered if that's just that the elks are actually that bad i don't know that we can say that i think these lions are just that good now i fully expect the bombers to bounce back in a hurry um too much talent there you know that michael shea and his staff are going to be you know studying every millisecond of game tape and um come back better but you know i'm sure that there's cracks in the armor maybe can we say that i've got jeff hamilton from the winnipeg free press 
he is going to be here. One of my guests, we're just going to kind of talk about the whole weekend, but obviously he was at that game. He has a better idea what's going on with the Bombers than anybody. And, you know, both of us have now seen the Lions up close because I saw them beat the Stampeders in week one. I want to know if he's as impressed as I am. So really looking forward to Jeff Hamilton coming up. Um, you know, Friday night, Montreal Alouettes just absolutely crushed the Hamilton Tiger Cats 38 to 12. Um, Cody Vidrado, 19 for 25, 292 yards and two touchdowns for the Alouettes. I think you got to feel good for the guy. Uh, you know, last year, I think he made some mistakes. I think he said some things in the media that he shouldn't have said as well, sort of about his situation and came across looking like a little bit of a baby at times. But seeing him get into that Alouette system, he's thriving. You know, I, I think that a lot of us thought the Alouettes were going to be terrible. Maybe I shouldn't speak for a lot of us. I will speak for myself. I thought the Alouettes were going to be as bad as anyone in the league this year, and they are not. Um, that said, these Hamilton Tiger Cats, what is going on? Um, I think we've all probably seen the clip of Chris Edwards um, just faking the handshake, shoving an Alouette's player. I wish I had that, you know, name uh, in front of me. But that was, you know, that was a gutless move. I know some people are calling for a suspension and all that. I don't know, man. I, I don't know that it's a suspension. He shoved a guy. But I think we can, like, acknowledge that, you know, that's, that's trash behavior. And Chris Edwards should be better than that and know better than that. But it's weird. It feels like it's one thing after another with these tie cats, you know, Getting crushed 38 to 12 is bad enough, but what is like what's going on, man? They're 0 3. I get that Bo Levi Mitchell is hurt, but Bo didn't look great in the first two weeks. I thought this defense was going to be really good. I'm obviously a guy who has a lot of time for Jameer Thurman, spent some time here in Calgary. Um, but you know, you just look, I mean, there's real talent on that on that defense. Um, and it's not coming together. And I I'm sort of willing to write the tie cats off already. Um you know, there's discipline issues. The offense isn't clicking. The defense can't seem to stop anybody. I, how can you feel confident? I, I trust Orlando Steinauer. I, I, I like that staff. I, I think there's a lot to like in Hamilton. But, you know, I shouldn't say I'm writing them off. It's too early to write them off. But there's there's something rot in there. That is not – it's not working and did not expect – I had the Ticats. Here I am talking about I – I was writing off the Alouettes, had them as arguably the worst team in the league. I – probably had the Ticats as the the number one team in the east um and didn't probably i said that preseason i should own what i said i i had them as number one team in the east part of that was only just because i didn't trust you know chad kelly in toronto i needed to see him do it right now there's zero chance right now i, I have the Ticats as the worst team in the league i i have them below the red blocks right now at least the red blocks have mazzoli coming back there's a little bit of hope there but right now hamilton it's just been one thing after another it's been too much I, you hate to see it Third game of the week, Saskatchewan 29, Calgary 26, double overtime. Um, 29, 26, and double overtime. <laughs> Sounds like it was a classic. I can tell you, have, being there for you know roughly three quarters, it was not. Um, I have Ryan Ballantyne from Three Damn Nation. He hosts the Ghost Champs Go podcast. I needed to have him in. We normally try to keep these Sunday shows a little more um, CFL wide, but I think there's we need to do a bit of an emergency pod situation on the Stampeders because Malik Henry went down. I know, you know, I talked to people, the fear is that that is an Achilles tendon injury. A torn Achilles keeps you out for the season. Uh, I don't know that that's happening. We got to wait in here. The Stamps have a bye week, so we may not know that for another week, but one way or another, that injury was not good. That is, you add that to Reggie Bagleton, you know, arguably their best receiver, arguably their most important offensive player being on the sixth game. 
Jalen Philpott, we're definitely not seeing before Labor Day. I think a lot of us don't expect to see him all season. That's arguably your top three receivers who are down, plus Kadeem Carey. Um, you know, your MOP from last season, the running back, is on the six-game list. These Stampeders are in trouble. I'm less worried about Jake Mayer than some. There are people who are going to be just yelling at me and, and saying, oh, he's not accurate, he's not good enough. Like, I think that was a tough situation yesterday. I know Jake Mayer hasn't looked like the MOP through three weeks or, or anything like that. But, you know, he's a young quarterback, and I do think that Calgary fans are a little bit spoiled um, in terms of quarterback playing. <laughs> Don't recognize that there are ups and downs with the young quarterback as they develop, and the development is key. Either way, the Stamps, that offense is without some really, really key pieces. They have Winnipeg up next. Um, again, I know the CFL making conclusions on where teams are going to finish in week three is a fool's errand. I don't want to do it, but I just, um, they need reinforcements. They need skilled reinforcements. This isn't bringing in a defensive lineman. This isn't, you know, um, th this is bringing in top receivers. This is top talent. Malik Henry was signed for four years, I believe, last year. That's how highly they think of him. He's 26. He's in his prime. He's their best deep ball threat. Hopefully, Reggie Bagleton and, and Kadeem Carey are back soon, but there's real reason for concern those injuries and um i talk with ryan a lot about it a lot so i, I don't want to go on too long but that's obviously the team i cover and uh i've just never seen anything like this injury situation it's it's hard not to be concerned on the other side honestly i'm not saying that the riders let the world on fire um with all of those injuries that still took them double overtime and you can treat that as a negative but um they fought they they played hard and, and and they stuck in it and that's something that i didn't necessarily see a ton of last year so really impressed uh with these riders they're two and one right now they are in the mix you know they are i don't know that they're beating winnipeg or bc right now but it's early and there's lots of room for improvement you know trevor harris 20 of 30 for 273 touchdown one interception um the bigger story for me was jamal morrow what a player that guy is man um you know 22 runs rushes for 133 yards he there were times when i just thought he was the best player on the field um you know lots of skill lots of talent and yeah I, you got to give the riders credit you know i can't sit here and say oh the stampeders you know were fully fully a disaster i think the stampeders defense was really really good and i think the riders found a way to win um picked up that interception in the end zone on the final play of the game so you know i think the west is the west is interesting right now um don't think Edmonton's showing us much. Worried about Calgary, but um, you know, yeah, I, I don't think you can downplay that the fact that the Riders are finding ways to to stay in games. Um, you know, two and one's not a joke, and, and they beat a Calgary team that, despite being really banged up, the Riders were banged up too, and they deserve full marks for that. So, you know, it's it's good that they don't feel like the complete nightmare disaster that they did last year. I think that's good for the league. That's good for the division. And it puts a little pressure on Calgary to figure it out in a hurry. So um, with that, that's just my thoughts. That's my intro. Um, you know, we're working on the studio. I got these posters, these Stampeders receivers posters that I'm going to put up. I just got to get them framed. I tried to put them out there. They look terrible without, uh, you know, without a frame. So I got to figure that one out. But beyond that, that's it. Want to again thank thank Fraser and Fig. I'm gonna read my little um, read my little thing here on Fraser and Fig. I'm a little ad read. Um, honestly, these guys they're here in Marta Loop. I grabbed them a couple weeks ago for for a picnic. They do this these sort of delicious. They're they're cheese and charcuterie. They got fresh artisanal provisions. 
Um, you can pick them up. You can get them delivered. It's basically these charcuterie and cheese boxes that are you know curated. Tons of tons of good ingredients in there. You, they got four sizes every occasion: um, meat, cheese, dried fruit, fresh fruit, nuts, olives, pickles, carrots. You know that the selection varies month to month, so you can get what you need seasonally. Honestly, super recommend Fraser and Fig and very, very much grateful for them uh, for, for sponsoring us here today. So thank you. Let's go over to Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. All right, Jeff Hamilton, Winnipeg Free Press. This is the second time recording my intro for you because I said Winnipeg wrong, weirdly. But buddy, how you doing? Good, my man. Good to be here. Good to see you. Good to talk football. Love that you're doing this show. I got. I don't want to take up too time in my intro, but I. Uh, it's great to be here. Good, man. Uh, I would say legitimately impressed that you, I mean, I would have said if you'd asked, I'd have said, hey, watch the fourth quarter in overtime of Calgary, Saskatchewan, but you actually went back this morning and watched the whole game. Well, I was watching it yesterday. I had a, I had plans that took me, I got to watch what was arguably the worst half of football Terrible. this season. And then and then I, I checked my phone hours later and I checked my phone hours later and the score was, 29 26 over time and i go that must have been a pretty exciting second half and i watch all the games i try to i try to see them live as much as i can but if i can't then i usually spend sunday you know watching them all on games on demand on the tsn app which let's we could have a whole show about talking about how crappy that streaming service app is but <laughs> let's uh let's move on i in years past i've used because we have a like we have access to that video database but i actually haven't had to use it this year um i don't know if that's still up um but, oh, the uh, like the replay stuff, like the, a, like, like the, the Lucas, ultimate like, reporters, ultimate scouting tool that the CFLs gives us that hardly anybody utilizes. <laughs> <laughs> there is like five years ago, Lucas sent me the link to the CFL video database and you can search mm -hmm. like by player, by like everything. And it's it's sort of great, except that I've lost my password. So I don't this year. I don't know how to get into it. But um, yeah, the TSN one. I'm not going to overly criticize them just yet on my podcast, but uh, yeah, I will say there, I think the CFL was like, what a classic, what a classic Canadian football game last night. It was like not the first half. It was like one of the worst, like most just exhausting first halves of football I've ever seen. But after rewatching it, Danny is Calgary in trouble. Yes. Calgary in trouble because the West looks even wilder than I'd say it has in, in some time. Well, I mean, Forget that Kadeem Carey is on the sixth game. This team, like, arguably their three top receivers, who I would have said were Reggie Bailton. I th thought Jalen Philpott was going to have a big year. Then Malik Henry was, like, a top five receiver in the CFL last year. And mm -hmm. I, like, Malik, I suspect that is um, an Achilles injury. Yeah, is that, is, is that, that's the greatest fear? Are you feeling that's it? I think, I think that's it. I Ouch. feel pretty confident. Um, I, I know that it's what people are worried about, but, I mean, that's your three top receivers. Um, they were Judging by the comments afterwards too, it didn't sound like, you know, guys were specifically, I read your piece, they were specifically pointing out, you know, like you have, you know, Peyton Logan go down, but it's everyone's focused on the one guy and yeah. saying, you know what I mean? Like a player doesn't say that unless he has an idea that things are a lot worse. Malik that guy walked by there. us while Jake was talking and said, was talking about his Achilles. So I suspect that it is Achilles. Um, and at that point, like, you know, the Stamps have a bye week and then Winnipeg. They're not beating the Bombers. Um, so I have a hard time seeing it. And then they're one and three. So fortunately, 
Ottawa and Hamilton look pretty bad. So you can start sort of saying, okay, the crossover should be. Start in looking at the crossover <laughs> in, week, in week two. No, I hear you. I pushed you there. I pushed you there. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I don't. And I, I have a hard time without those players. And like, that's not making an excuse. It's just, if you don't have your, like, if you don't have your skill players, there are not, there's not just a bunch of guys who can come in and be thousand yard receivers waiting on the sidelines for the, their CFL opportunities. And Jake Mayer, and it's not specifically Jake Mayer, it's almost everybody in this league at quarterback from Zach Claris all the way down would, would need help in that situation. Yeah. There's, you know, there isn't a guy in the, in the CFL that you can look to that would own that offense and just make it better with what, what three starting Canadian rookies yesterday yesterday or is it or is it three three guys making their first start like what, what but how many how many guys made their first start whether they're canadian or american well, so luther hacking Ivano, i like he's he started games this season but had never started a game prior to this year cole tucker and clark barnes had never their rookies had never hey, played is clark barnes six seven no, that's right. Wait, which, which is i just i caught that i was gonna rewind who's six seven Receiver on John is six. Okay, he still yeah. hasn't caught a pass, including in like the red and white game. We're still waiting for Rice and John still. to um to step up. But okay. then like Trey Odom's Dukes, I think played in three games. Like Malik Henry was their most experienced receiver and it wasn't a starter until last year. So yeah, everyone. I I have fans who are being like, oh Danny, you're making excuses for Jake. I don't think Jake was very good yesterday i also think like i got to cover bolivar mitchell's glory years he always had two receivers two veteran guys who he just knew where they were going to be and could go to for first downs and the stamps don't have that right now and i don't know how you get that um and i I, again i just don't think that there are receivers waiting for calls to come play for the cfl in the cfl so it's it's a real issue and it's not an issue that necessarily falls on anybody's shoulders i have people on twitter being like well they should have signed more depth at receiver it's like in February, they knew that these three guys were all going to basically be on the sixth game and two of them probably out for the season and Phil Bottom and Malik. It's, it's bad. Um, it's the worst. It's the most worried I have been about the Stampeders ever in my seven years covering, seven seasons covering the league. Um, can I throw a question back at you? Absolutely. Please. This is like, that was obviously the worst loss I've seen the Bombers suffer in five years. You're not actually worried about them, are you? No, I mean, worried about them, no, but it's the first time in a very, very long time that you can argue they showed their age. And it almost, man, like, I don't know. You got to give credit where credit's due. The BC Lions looked like they owned the Winnipeg Blue Bombers playbook. Like, it was almost in the in the paranoia league that the CFL is. There are going to be people out there for how well BC Lions played, and I'm not making that claim. I'm just saying yeah. that's how paranoid the, the CFL is, that they were so good, particularly on defense, that they looked like they knew the Bombers' plays, man. I mean, they they absolutely dominated them. And and you know what's crazy is that I, I don't usually think that, like my prediction in this game, I don't make predictions online or really in, 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 in any kind of platform because I think they're lose-lose. Yeah. Uh, you know, in your market. Um, but I was, you know, people asked me just amongst our, our colleagues, and I thought the Bombers were going to give the BC Lions a beatdown. And the reason why I thought they were going to give them a beatdown is because last year, when it was Rourke Mania, 
the Bombers, you know, they are very even keeled. They're very, you know, you've covered them for years. They're very one leveled. They're boring in a lot of ways, but that's what makes them good. Yep. And my they big thought, brother them last year, like they came in. Well, and, and, and the thing was, is that they took it personally. They showed a part of them that doesn't shine through in media and in, in their, in their quotes, they took it personally that the attention was on Nathan Rourke and the BC lions. And it was, and they set out that game to remind them who the, who the, who the talk of the CFL was after two straight great cups and they won 45, 22. And I didn't think they, you know, and with Vern, you know, Nathan Rourke no longer in BC, them coming on, you know, BC, obviously on the road in an IG field, but the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Danny, were 27-2 and two in their previous 29 <laughs> games. The last time the Winnipeg Blue Bombers suffered a and – and those two losses, by the way, was, was Mark Leggio missing two field goals to win over Montreal, which should have won it over, over – that was one of the home losses. And the other one was against Hamilton. The last time the Bombers had lost to a West opponent was the 2018 Banjo Bowl. Fans don't fans don't know what a loss looks like really at IG Field. And I just felt with the BC Lions coming in with all the hype around them being 2-0 with Vernon Adams and yada yada, I thought they were going to give him a beatdown on one exception. The way Vernon Adams talked the day before the game, man, it reminded me of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers going into the 2019 Grey Cup. He was quiet. He was not cocky. He was not, you know, whatever. He was respectful. And it gave you this weird feeling that this team was ready and prepared. And we saw that from start to finish from the line. I actually find Vernon is one of those guys who, when he's winning, is is like that. Um, and, and sort of try, like, understands eliminating distractions. Like, 2019, the Stamps and Alouettes had a big pregame fight, like, at, at the 55-yard line at, at McMahon. And three weeks later, went to Montreal and like, you know me, all I was doing was trying to get guys to, you know, stir the pot and talk. And Vernon right. called me out on it. He was like, man, what are you trying to do here? Like, we're, we're focused on a football game. That stuff happens. Like, we're getting, like, was very, like, looked me in the eye and just put me in my place a little bit. It was, it was one of the more embarrassing scrum moments I've ever had because he, like, saw what I was doing. Called I me love it, though. That should be embarrassing. You got to be pushing them. And, if, and that's a great answer. Yeah. And yeah. it was a great answer. And it was, and it was good. But, like, the weird thing is, like it's that D line, man. Like the lions have actually quietly had one of the best, arguably the best D line in the league now for two seasons. Um, and it, you know me, I'm actually not trying to beat that, like to jump on the bombers here. Cause I've done that. Oh, in the past, but I mean, like, look at, look at those stats. How can you, I mean, you, you ask if it's a long-term thing. I don't think it's a long-term thing. They lost in week three in 2021 and then won nine straight. Yeah. But exactly. that was two years ago on an aging team. So anyway, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. But this, this lion's D line, like, were they because they they gave Calgary real trouble in week one and then they've now shut out like they shut out the Elks and then allowed what two field goals to the Bombers? I they mean, sacked Zach Calero seven times. Yeah, that he got happen. the Cody Fajardo 2022 <laughs> treatment. Yeah, you know, and, like and Zach's the guy who can actually move around the pockets. So well, it's... and that and that I think was the key in all this. Uh, Gary Peters said the day before the game when he asked about st stopping Zach, he said, "What you got to do is you need to limit him." from escaping the pocket you're escaping the pocket he needs to be kept in the pocket because when zach goes rogue when he's on the run when he when he breaks contain and he goes improv he hits guys 90 percent of the time and he 100%. did that six out of seven times i counted in the entire game where he actually was able to escape contain he completed six of those two of those mind you were called back on penalties 
but still like that's when he's effective. So I think in a lot, in a lot of ways, if you're looking at a blueprint on how to stop the bombers offense, take Gary Peters advice and keep Zach Kolaris in the pocket. Well, I've seen him do it to Calgary so many times where he just rolls out of the pocket and you think the play's dead and he's got two defensive linemen chasing him down and somehow just like fires a rocket down the sideline that receiver gets 30 yards. I mean, well, and that's where the bombers caught. We hear a lot about the bombers continuity and smarts and all those things and building on things they already have. That's one of them is when those plays break down, they have really, really smart receivers who have been in the system for so long, know exactly where they go. So as much as it is, certainly Zach Claris' ability to throw on the run, his ability to escape the pocket and, and, you know, find those open players, the receivers are just as much to, to give credit to because Drew Woltarski's like open every time that, yeah that Zach Claros escapes the pocket were like, what was the reaction from the bombers after the game? Cause you know, you and I cover hockey as well. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, like the flames, not even this last disastrous season, but like they lose five, nothing. And you learn pretty quickly that that just happens in an 82 game season, right? Like you just have mm-hmm. some bad games and that's inevitable. And you actually are always surprised by how little of a reaction it gets from the players and the coaches. Like it's acceptable, but I mean, that's not true in football, but also like if you're Winnipeg right now, like you got to be feeling like, all right, back to the drawing board a little bit. But guys, like we're the bombers. Well, you know, what? like it was a lot like that. You know, it was a lot like no one was getting down because they don't really get down on each other anyways. They're not overly emotional when they win. So in this case, like, like I said, we haven't seen a lot of losses from this team. And so you thought given that and we certainly haven't seen a lot of beatdowns because that's let's let's you know, let's. Let's say it what it is. It was a beatdown. The, the Bombers were bullied all night. They scored six points. 30 not to in six the second half. Yeah, absolutely beatdown. And and um and so, you know, but surprisingly, like jovial's not the word, because it wasn't like they were happy, but they were seemingly okay with what happened. And I think eager to eager to watch the film and see where things broke down because yeah. they're not worried, they're just Wondering how did they, you know, they gave a lot of credit to the Lions. They gave, you know, there wasn't a guy, like, you didn't hear any of that. You know, there were some guys that saying they beat themselves in, in a lot of respects too, but they weren't saying it in the context of, you know, these guys didn't do anything impressive. You know, we, you know, we lost it. Like they gave total credit to the Lions who scored on opportunistic opportunities and defense, you know, it wasn't a mirage those first two weeks at the fact that they aver- were averaging seven and a half points against per game. No, and they have what coming up? They've got Montreal. Oh, that's actually a kind of fun game. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a prove-it game for Montreal, but that's also a game that you'd expect the Bombers to win. Um, it's a huge prove-it game for Montreal, and I think Montreal is in a lot of trouble because they haven't played a starting <laughs> quarterback. Um, you know, you don't want to take away from the fact that they're 2-0. and You know what I mean? That's a, They haven't been 2-0 and since – they haven't been 2-0 and since, uh, since uh, 2011. They went on to to finish that season ten and eight, mind you, and and lost. We're upset by Hamilton in these fine or in these yeah semi or final, whatever the first play, playoff game they played. And uh, but um, you know it's good for them. I think Cody Fajardo is playing a lot better than I would have given him credit for at the start of the year. That defense is super strong, but they haven't played a starting quarterback. They played against Nick Arbuckle, who. I will not be surprised in the and and the buzz out of Ottawa. I'm not saying it's overflowing or overpouring, but there's buzz regardless that Nick Arbuckle might be released by the team. You know, when when Jeremiah Masoli comes back, and I would not be surprised if that's the case. And he might not. You know, I'd be surprised if he throws another football in the league. 
in this league. I mean, that's a little hyperbolic, but he's not getting a starter's job again in those two weeks. And yeah, the anyway, release so thing I assume depends on what he's getting paid, right? Like he's been around. Absolutely. Well, that would be part of the, yeah, exactly. Not getting the bang for buck for sure. Um, and I like from, Nick. I've got a relationship dating back years with him, but there's no question. I mean, he was not, he, he didn't do the job. Well, right. And then, I mean, and that, you know, I thought Matthew Schultz was going to be, a, I mean, he still threw for 354 yards. The guy was just chucking balls and he has great receivers, right? Like Tim Smith yep. looked awesome. Duke Williams is a, is a magnet. Um, so he was just launching balls, right? So, but he did not look good at all. And certainly when they got to the red zone was not, you know, like that's the impressive part about, about uh, Montreal is that they've been able to, you know, they've been able to limit all both teams, regardless of the, the fact they don't have their number one guys in to zero touchdowns. And that, that can't be ignored, but I think they're going to, I think the bombers are going to be pissed off. They're going to be looking to prove their critics wrong. And it's going to be a pretty tough one. I think for all what's this game for the win. Yeah, there's there's a big difference between playing this Ticats team, which like I mean, you did a really nice job. I didn't even I'm supposed to be the host, and you segued right into Montreal Hamilton there, which was like pretty yeah. impressive. And we're gonna talk about it because I know both of us have, have thoughts on Chris Edwards, but like man, this Ticats seems bad. And then like they're bad in a way that it 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 feels a little bit like you know how mid-season in Saskatchewan last year, you were just like, ah, the wheels have come off. Like yeah. these guys aren't on the same page last year. Like it feels like that already with Hamilton. And it's like Bo Levi Mitchell is not, you know, him getting healthy is not the solution there. I don't understand how the defense is this bad. Like I'd put Simone Lawrence and Jameer Thurman. I'd say that that should probably be as good a linebacking duo as there is anywhere in the league. Um, I I think their back end honestly has decent DBs, but like it's all just gone to hell. Just, They're good on a, paper, man. They're good on paper. <laughs> They bought a team this year, and I think you're bang on with your original point where you like they're just not on the same page. And they're doing uncharacteristic penalties. There seems to be no no leadership there, right? Just a bunch of star players that all think, you know, I mean, that's I mean, those those comments I'm making right now are pretty heavy for three weeks of action here. But I mean, they're not they don't look on the same page at all. They're taking you know, Orlando Steinauer is usually a, a better coach than this, and yeah. you think he'd have his guys all pulling on the same rope. And, and your other point, Bo Levi Mitchell wasn't the answer through two weeks. You know, he's not going to be the answer to come back, I don't think, especially if he's banged up or so what, he's recovering from yet another injury. It's well, like... You said, like, we were, we did a podcast together, like, a month ago, and you were like, let's not forget that, like, Bo hasn't looked like Bo for a number of years. Um, and you're like, I got to see him come back, see if this system, see all of that before I'm willing to say, like, oh, Bo's back. And he was not good for those first two weeks. He threw and some you, stupid can, interceptions in week two. And week one against the Bombers, man, you talk about like you talk about those back-to-back -back plays, which made it a weirdly close game in week one. It was <laughs> it was a, it was crazy how the Bombers were pure domination and then it was back-to-back -back and it's an eight-point game with nine minutes remaining. And anyone who knows yeah. the CFL, that's you might as well have an entire that's an eternity. So yeah. but 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 the thing was everyone talks about how like the, the offense was bad because Bo Levi Mitchell was bad. The, like the Bombers d defense takes pride in not allowing explosion plays. They, you know, they, they'll always say, you, you know, just, just don't let them blow the top off on us. Right. I mean, that's, I mean, that's everyone's goal, but the Bombers who have had great defense for years, that's what they take their pride, pride themselves in. The Hamilton Tiger Cats 
drew up a game plan that gave Bo Levi Mitchell about five explosion plays that if he was even close to being on target, four of them, if not all of them, are touchdowns. He underthrew and overthrew his receivers all night long. And while, yes, that's a, you know, he's working his way through chemistry and, 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 you know, playbooks and all that, he dialed both of those things look good. It was his arm and his accuracy that hurt them. Which was the issue in Calgary last year. Um, And now, yeah, he's hurt, going to miss a bunch of practice time. And the idea that he's going to be able to come back, that's actually not an indictment on him. It's just like he's going to be – he's already behind the eight ball a little bit. It's not It's not going to work. And I honestly – in week two, what? Was it Tim White pushing teammates, like all that? And then in week three, Chris Edwards with one of the most just gutless things I've seen on a football field in a long time. I know, you know, you, you got some thoughts on it. But yeah, um, what was he thinking? I don't think – I think – I don't think he was, man. Like I get it. Like – you know, you just got pumped, you know, and clearly a bad loser. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're all over the, the, the professional sports. It's just guys that can't, that just, you know, are so emotionally attached to wins and losses that it's just, you they often, you know, it gets the better of you. And so Chris Edwards, for those people who don't even know what we're talking about, that didn't catch the end of the game because it yeah. was happened literally at the end of the game. And they showed it on replay. Austin Mack, great game, by the way. Great game. We can talk. I, we, I got something to say about him too after. Yeah. But, he, but he had a great game. Two touchdown game. Just an incredible target for Montreal. Anyways, Chris Edwards goes up to him. Not Austin Mack the other way, if I'm correct. Goes up to him and approaches him with his hand out to give him a handshake. And Austin Mack <laughs> extends his hand to shake Chris Edwards' hand. And right before their hands can touch, Chris Edwards decides to pull back his hand and bring forward both his arms and shove Austin Mack to the ground. Now, did Austin Mack play the push a little bit? Maybe. But he was going to the ground regardless because of the shock value and, yeah. and as you said, gutlessness of the move. Because he literally, you know, it wasn't even like he was charging at him to, like, give him at least a very, you know, even if he pushed him, like that, it would still be a cheap shot, but at least in some sense, you'd have a little bit of a heads up. He pretended to yeah. positively embrace him and congratulate him for the win and then shoved him as hard as he could with both his hands. Yeah, you know, the video of Cam Judge punching Lucky Whitehead last year, Brutal like, too. never went public. And like there was considerable debate, myself probably defending Cam Judge a little more than I should have. But like at least that he didn't fake the handshake. Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd rather be suckered. <laughs> I'd rather, I'd rather be, suck- be suckered than faked handshake and then suckered. I'd probably rather be pushed and suckered just for potential. Yeah. You know, um, and we're not going to get into debating the cam judge thing. He definitely walked up to a lucky white head or just punched him. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever, but yeah, is it suspendable for Chris Edwards? Cause I, I don't think it is. I just think mm-hmm. it's one of those things that like damages your reputation and makes you look like an idiot. Um, I don't, it's a shove for me. It's probably not like that enough stuff happens on a football field, but it just makes me lose a lot of respect for the guy. Well, yeah, no, I think like, but I think for those exact reasons you said off the top, like not only does it make him look ridiculous, it makes the league look ridiculous. You know, that's on camera. It's a CFL highlight and Chris Edwards, I'll remind you. And you know, this obviously already was the guy that went and chased fans at BMO 
and swung at a fan. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, and I know there's stories about what the fans said and, and did and how inappropriate it was. And I'm not, I don't know the exact yeah, details behind technically that. technically attack him, but he should right. have been in the stand. But the thing, that's the thing. Like the fan essentially, essentially approached him, but that didn't stop Chris Edwards from swinging. Like it didn't, it, it wasn't that interaction with the fan wasn't like, Oh, Oh snap. Like, what am I doing here? I'm not supposed to. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. He climbed into an area with a concourse with the fans, which is like, I get it, man. Fan, fans, hell, fans deserve to get popped in the mouth a lot of times. I mean, they, there's some stuff. If you look at the history of, of professional sports fans, there's a lot that deserve a pop right in the mouth. Like yep. they spit on players, they pour drinks on players, they do all those things. But the number one cardinal rule in professional sports is that stuff can be, you know, on tape and that can be held, that can be handled through a legal, you know, process. If, so, if someone is spot, if someone is on film spitting on somebody, they can get charged. Yeah. Right, like, and that's how it's handled. You never react to fans. You never physically assault fans, and yada yada. So I think with just that looming in the background of Chris Edwards' resume, clearly he did not learn his lesson. Because if I, if I'm not, if I'm not, I think I'm right on this. He got a six-game suspension, but I believe it got, it, retru- it got reduced it got to four. I think yeah. it got reduced to four. And so herein lies the issue, Danny. How how much do you suspend him? Because if you suspend him the one game, which I think it's deserving of one game, he might appeal it, he might not, okay? If you suspend him two games, he's definitely appealing it. I still think he probably appeals it in, in week one, just because, he, he hell, he, he, he won the first time he appealed the suspension. Maybe he'll win a second time. It's also the CFL, which means that the, the arbitration CFL, process is like six months. Exactly. So it's like what they do, and that's why with the, the Garrett Marino thing, 
with that exact reason, the process is so ridiculous. It's like it takes them for it's like it's like the public walking into a courtroom and being like, Hey, my buddy did this. Can you put yeah, for sure? We'll throw it on the docket. Like if this appeal thing. So they gotta get a yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's not quite that bad, but it's bad. And so the CFL knows this. For the Garrett Marino situation, you want to know it. I mean, the CFL like to boast about how this was the biggest single suspension they've ever given a guy four games, right? But he broke it up into one game for this, one game for that, and two games for, you know, like the the actual, you know, thing. And so there's precedent to that, praying and hoping that Garrett Marino would not, you know, would not appeal it. And so this will be the interesting thing, because if you're Chris Edwards, you you don't want money out of your check. If you're the Hamilton Tirecats, you don't want Chris Edwards out of your lineup. And they'll say he pushed him. Was it childish? Absolutely. Was it pathetic? Most certainly. Are we with <laughs> Orlando Steinauer's face at the end of the game when he shook his head at that incident told you everything? Mike Mike O'Shea and or and uh, Orlando Steinauer are identical guys. You know what I mean? They have different backgrounds but identical personalities. And so Mike O'Shea probably would have cut the player before he got to the to, to yeah. the locker room. You know, certainly would have cut Garrett Marino. Coach Orlando Steinauer cannot do that because his team's 0-2, and this is his starting guy, so he brings him in. So I just – I'm wondering – I think it's – I know this is going on along about it. One game suspension for sure. Well, no, I – and I, I probably fall on that he doesn't need to be suspended, but it's also – I mean, I'll, I'll take any opportunity to talk about the CFL's appeal process for suspensions. For um, sure. You probably wouldn't remember this, cause, but 2018, uh, the East final – um, a Red Lux player named Jonathan Rose basically like had an altercation with an official and was suspended and then was able to appeal it. So he was able to play in the Grey Cup anyways. Um, and I don't know if he ever actually had to sit out a game. Um, just <laughs> yeah, say, yeah. If you do something in the West or East final, you shouldn't be able to play in the Grey Cup. And, he, and I, did he not have like a game ceiling interception at one point? Did he not have an impactful he was He was impactful. Game? I mean, the Stamps won. So it's one yeah. of those things that just kind of fades into history. But right. yeah, it's the... The suspension process is insane. Um, speaking about insane, um, how do you feel about Randy Ambrosi saying it's not a failure for there to be no stats currently? Oh, man. So he was in Winnipeg um, before the game. So that was really the fr- – I think that's the first time anyone's ever peppered him with questions about the stats, right? I don't know. Yeah, he don't, was in Calgary week one, but to be honest, I didn't realize that the stats yeah, were. Yeah, like, well, the stats kind of were like, okay, you weren't going to – it wasn't – it was an issue-ish by week one, but it wasn't, like, one that you didn't know was going to – whatever, right? So well, by week – again, Calgary played the first game, right? Like they, Right, yeah, exactly. First, exactly. So I legitimately, like, all through training camp, I could go check what Dedrick Mills did last year. So totally, legitimately yeah. when he was exactly. there and I talked so, to him, I had no idea. I think it's ridiculous. It's so tough because Randy's like the nicest human being in the world. So when he expresses his words, like, you know, he's genuine, but you just want to like, you just want to be like, come on, man, come into our world. Come, you know, like come into reality just for a quick second. And like, when no one's asking you to, you know, shit on your league and, and say, you know, whatever, but like to say that it's not, you know, that it's a success. I don't know if he said it was success, but not being an issue. And that he pretty much said, look, we understand there's there's issues that are happening, you know, but he kept saying like, you know, he kept saying, I don't want to be defensive while he was being defensive. And he was saying it wasn't a resources issue while then saying it was a resources issue, like saying like the scorekeepers, because one of the big questions is, well, why not use last year or the like, you know, the the other software in the meantime and then get this stuff built up? Because what they're doing is essentially and I'm not a I'm not a stats guru or, you know, mm-hmm. a 
a computer guy, so you know, probably some people are going to roll their eyes at this, but they're essentially building this thing, you know, in a way. Because I've talked to some, you know, tech tech people, even some people who are doing it, saying that it's like it's like they're taking this data and they almost have to input it like individually, and it's just it's such a time consuming process. And one of the issues is is they brought in the the like so what they're doing they brought in the NCAA's like software and so uh-huh. now they brought that in now they need to fix it so like because there's so many things different like it's not just so, as someone described to me it's not just making it a 110 yard field <laughs> and three downs like there's all these issues that are coming up that need to get need to occur to then get fixed. And then they're, then they're, you know, so it's like, anyways, but to, to Randy's comments and, you know, a lot of the people, like, I know there's some hardcore CFL fans out there that are, you know, that, that notice this, that don't, you know, there's some gamblers out there, I imagine, that can't go to player profiles right now, because that's the other issue. It's not just the live stats. It's, you can't go on CFL.ca and the game tracker. You can't go on player bios. You can't look at players' st- individual stats over years. So, you know, there are, there are some people who obvious, in, in, who are fans and, and you know, whatever, betters and things that, will be upset by this. But there's a vast majority of people who are just like, well, it's stats. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, whatever. I'm telling you right now, it's it's hurting the league league's growth. It's hurting the new fans coming from the States who, who while trying to make it look like you're a much better product, because that's Randy's promise here, right? Is that, hold on, guys. Everything's might not be great, and it's going to take some time, maybe another month or so, but, but, but boy, will it be worth it. Like, that's his, that's his message here. So and that's the whole, yeah. What could possibly be worth it? Like, yeah. And I mean, to your point, I think that you and I are likely disproportionately affected by their not well, being but, stats. But we're writing it... stories for the league. We're promoting exactly. the league through our stories, through this stuff. So it's like, that was kind of my last bit of the point there as I was rambling on was that that's, they're hurting themselves for new, because they have, they're now on CBS, which is actually a pretty big deal. So yep. they're getting in some more American fans who like to gamble, right? That's the only reason I imagine most of them are watching this. And when they get there, because you know, I'm telling you, you can bring them to the water. If you watch enough CFL, you'll love the CFL. It's a wild game. Every weekend Absolutely. is crazy. It's a crazier game than the NFL. No one's going to say they're better players. We know that the, you know, the money is all there in the NFL. There's crazy skill. It's got all that, you know, glitz and glam behind it. But the CFL is a, a more enjoyable game to watch. It just is. Oh, and it's the most so, fun. That's why we love it. And so we're trying to sell this game and the stats should just be like any, and Randy also says like, this is other leagues have dealt with similar issues. Like who, when, you know, like what name, name another pro league that's, that did not have profiles for a sizable amount of a year. Like you're telling me the NFL, if they switched over software and I'm not trying to compare the CFL, the NFL, even though I am right now, but like, you think that happens to them? They're not, you're not fixing it in the winter. We're like you know coming I mean? up on being 20% of the way into the season. You know, right. like, this has been a successful chunk. And the funny thing is like, I genuinely, so first of all, like, I actually got a call. I don't know if you got a call. Um, I'm not going to name them, but from a, you know, one of our, the people we would speak with most at the CFL head office. And he legitimately apologized. Like, I know he called a couple people. He, he just said, we know how tough this makes your job, all that. And I'm like, I recognize how annoying this is without it, without it making me mad. Like I'm like I'm like this is so stupid. It's clearly Genius Sports' fault. Yeah, it's um, Genius Sports' relationship with them. Yeah. Yeah, and like it it bugs me, but not in a way that like I can kind of laugh at it. Like it's just ridiculous that we're in this situation. Um, it was just when Randy was like literally saying it's not like until he did that that press availability, I was kind of like this is annoying, but we'll we'll get through. And then he did, and I was like, come on, Randy, man. 
Like, yeah, I, I, I think his silence sucked too. His silence, he needed to talk about it because he, I think teams were starting to get upset. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, cause they were hearing from fans and whatever. I know the bombers have heard from fans. I know fans have emailed me and told me that they've emailed the bombers and talked to Wade and, and whatever, how that's translated. I don't know, but you got to think that's happening in other markets. Completely. And, and they're wondering where Randy is. If any of those teams, as we know they did, had questions about why the Genius Sports thing was going on, I'm sure that this is only, you know, causing them to double down. So it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. One uh, more thing on it. This is where I think we should leave it. Is yeah. Randy's message was, it will be worth it. Trust me, trust me, trust me. So while it sucks to not have the stats, he's put this, because he's talking about chips in the ball and how this is going to be wild. Like the stats was pretty good before. I liked them before. So if they don't blow our mind, like that's where the next, like, so expectations are super high right now. I hope it's worth the wait for Randy's sake. Yeah. And maybe it is right. And like, great. If it is like full marks to them, if they get it right, it's just like, you're saying like, I don't know of all the things I've ever felt were needed to be fixed in the CFL. I never felt like the stats apparatus was top of the list. Just never felt that way. No, I thought that, um, was the, that was one of the great things that was working. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It makes my job harder, but what are you going to do? Randy, good job. Um, all right, dude, I should let you go. I asked you for half an hour. It's been 35 minutes. Um, no, was, a lot of fun. Time flies when you're having fun, man. I could talk about the CFL any day of the week. I know. Uh, what I want from this podcast is literally like, and I've had some athletes and stuff, and that's been great, but I kind of just, I don't know. I've talked about it a million times over the years. I'm just like, I just want a place where, People who kind of know and like the league just kind of go and talk. And yeah, exactly. You know, we did a little bit of prep work talking about what we might talk about, but I'm like way, if this is what it is, if it's good people around the league, just kind of popping in and talk. I, I hope people like it. So yeah. yeah, right on, man. Well, right. Hey, have me back anytime. Yeah. You know, I um, had a great time and uh, love that you're doing this. So I'll, I'll, I'll end where I started off. Love that you're doing this show. And uh, yeah, man, that's awesome. I appreciate you. Jeff Hamilton, Winnipeg free press. Thank you for your time. That is awesome. All right. We got Ryan Ballantyne. Ryan, um, you're like your media, but you're also, um, you know, one of the smarter, more informed, more, um, I know you really love the Stampeders, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So (laughs) you're sort of the perfect guest because I I mean, we try on Sunday to kind of go league wide, but I I do think being there last night at McMahon and seeing the league Henry, let's be honest, he basically said to us uh, walking through the, the locker room that it was probably Achilles that is a season ender, assuming it, if that's what it is. We don't know. We've, he's got to go for testing. I'm not trying to like imply otherwise, but um, this is borderline. I, I mean, you know, the ship is sinking um, a little bit. It feels like on the offense, right? You start to wonder who's who's left. I mean, it, it's it used to be about who's next when it came to the Stampeders, but there's I don't think there's anybody left. Uh, you you've got Tommy Lee Lewis, who's been kind of bouncing between practice roster and the injured list and he's back injured again he pulled his hamstring this week um but that's it and that's it there's no other receivers on the roster so i think if if malik henry does get that news and and i mean you always hope that that it was something that doesn't end up being that season ending issue but right now with malik henry if he's gone and reggie bagleton's already on the sixth game yeah you're you you have to be using your bye week to bring back some receivers, right? For people listening, this is going to be nothing, but I picked up one of the Stampeders receivers posters that they yes. and they did such a good job. Like I actually like I feel bad doing this, but the, the there's Reggie Bagleton, the the biggest, 
There's Jalen Philpott, the second biggest. And there's Lee Henry, the four featured receivers. Three of them are out. And now we don't know how long Reggie is out for. I mean, he's on the sixth game. Um, they they listed it as a rib injury. They said there was a little procedure done. So with a bye week, I mean, he's not going to be back for the next game. No. Play, I don't think. But, you know, no. there's always the possibility that um, – that you know he is not going to be gone for that long, but with Malik, I mean, we covered uh, we've covered players who, when the Achilles if it tears, they're they're gone for a year. Like it is not yes, season. it is not. Oh, there might be a race to get them back for late October. They're 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 done for the year. And Malik was this team's top receiver last year. Um, short term, you have Winnipeg coming up. I, I like I, it's hard not to just chalk that down as a loss already. But um, I mean, this is a team that. We're not even talking about how Peyton Logan left the game um, yesterday. No. They went from having easily the deepest running back group to now, basically. I mean, it's if if Diedrich Mills gets hurt, they have nothing. But um, I, I do want to touch on that in a minute. But with the receivers, I mean, are you – they had receivers at, at camp. I know um, you, you guys were talking about in the media room a little bit yesterday. There are like one or two guys who maybe could come in and, you know, they're not going to be able to do the whole playbook in a week. But it's it's – like you're you're not there's not veteran guys out there in the CFL right now who are just you know waiting and ready to come in. You got to just take a a gamble on some youth, right? Yeah, there's no kind of free agents that are just sitting out there um, that you would think could could come in. And I mean, even if you picked up a veteran free agent who didn't make a team this year, he's also not coming in to learn the playbook in a week either. You no. know, I, these. These guys will have been veterans in in CFL systems, but as far as the the cadence and the play calling and the you know the the designation of what plays or what, um, that would also be incredibly difficult for any veteran to come in and do it. Even if you signed them today and gave them the playbook two weeks ahead of the game against Winnipeg, so I think for me, I, I think you're probably looking at uh, um, at uh, uh, Floyd Allen maybe. Um, he was the one that all, that stood out to me in the preseason as the guy uh, who made the biggest impact, I think. And and I was even surprised when the cuts came down that Trey Odom's Dukes was kept ahead of Allen uh, based on what what I saw in the limited things I did see. Um, so I could I could see maybe him coming back. I mean, Dave did indicate in his post game presser last night that he's kept conversations open with certain players. Um, and I imagine that the receivers are among well, that group. We've seen this like time after time after time. There are normally, I don't know how many guys, there are a couple guys who at the end of training camp are let go. And Dave is like, please be ready. Like, yeah, we're stay ready. You we don't have a spot for you right now, but like we, we literally, I don't know if we view you a part of the future, but we're not uninterested. You know, this is, this is a, that's not you type of thing. Well, and even if you want a perfect example of that, if you want to go way back in the Wayback Machine, Charleston Hughes was cut at the end of his first training camp, um, and he ended up coming back due to an injury uh, in the on the defensive line and went on to be one of the best defensive players in league history. Am I crazy that Reggie was the same way? Reggie might have been an injury situation. I, I, uh, I don't think Reggie was cut, but Reggie was practice rostered early. Um, okay. earlier in his yeah, career. Yeah, I'm not. I'm and not so sure. was Kamar Jordan for a long time. Yeah. He was a well, guy that hung around waiting for his opportunity. So, And he's um, the name that I do wonder if, like, the thing is, he's not a wide receiver. Like, he's a slot receiver. Um, right. And so, like, I, I, Kamar is the one that you can't help. I, I, I don't think he's an option. I don't think that that's the direction that the Stampeders are, are going to go. But he's the name out there that he didn't get signed last year. I know he hasn't, like, he didn't retire. 
he wanted to play this year. There just weren't offers. Right. He, he didn't have a great year last year. But if you're talking about someone who does know the system and you just need someone for five or six weeks until Reggie's back, I mean, I, I can see the argument for it. Although I also think that, like, he's in his mid-30s. He's got an injury history. And, and you're probably better served bringing in one of these, you know, these Floyd Allens, these young guys who you think might actually – be able to be with you for four or five years and that's especially true because tommy lee lewis is not in his early 20s they did not get no. a developmental receiver on the roster after training camp i mean that was the surprise for me i'm not criticizing it i have no idea what the thinking was one way or another and i know how high they are on tommy lee lewis but tommy lee lewis like the hamstring has he's it's just recurred since he got to camp so i i don't know that you can view him as a reliable weekend week option and weekend week out option for the rest of the season no, and and I think I mean to be hit as hard as they've been hit in these skill positions offensively. I mean, you you mentioned uh, the top three of the top four receivers on that poster are now gone, um, and you know I I don't expect we will see Jalen Philpot back this year. Um, I you know if it is an Achilles, Malik is done for the year. Uh, Reggie, you know he's on the six game, but the six game could be six, seven, nine, twelve games. I mean, the the idea that the sixth game is, oh, he'll be back in six weeks. No, that's just the longest. Yes. That's just the longest injury function they're allowed to put him on. And I can so be honest. Like, I don't know when he'll be back. I haven't gotten a clear indication on that. Like, I have asked around a little bit because prior to this game, you know, with Logan and um, and, and Henry going down, I, I honestly already thought that they were sort of in disaster sin yeah like i i was not confident that it was a it was a good situation and i I do also think that like the kadeem of it all is separate in my mind i don't like i don't keep like having the running back you do have Dedrick mills still whatever else is happening and kadeem is a star and he's a leader and you want him in the lineup but that's different from what's happening with the receivers where as we're saying like, they literally just don't have any more bodies that is different from having a Dedrick mills who can run for 100 yards and i i think that the other and to sort of move on my emails man this morning like i woke up and i was like oh, yes, oh I'm, I'm sure yeah um were you as concerned by the jake mayer performance yesterday as some others no i I, I mean let's let's be real let's let's be real about it I, yeah did jake mayer look great no i don't think he looked fantastic um you know he had an end zone interception that was bicycle kicked into the air. I know he had, he had another interception where the player caught it, ran five yards, was stripped of the ball and effectively bounced it right back into his own hands to take it back for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And then you had the, the game ceiling interception in, in overtime. None of those are great plays obviously, but also let's let, you know, you had rice and John who has not caught a pass for this team in game action yet mm-hmm. um red and white game preseason games nothing rice and john does not have a reception he was out there at the end of the game you had luther hakanavanu who is talented but not a number one receiver i mean he's not a number one in, in the offense the other thing with luther is because he's been around for a couple of years people are treating him like he's some some trusted vet he didn't actually have a start prior to this season right right like, he was like, right. I mean, he played. He's, he's been a backup guy. You have you have first round draft pick um, uh, in uh, Tucker. I, or I think he looked good in the in the late stages starts. of that game. Clark Barnes, but no starts. Yeah, Clark Barnes. Clark Barnes. Yeah, Clark Barnes ha- was out there. 
Um, you know, like it, it's not like Jake had, you know, Jake's not throwing to Eugene Lewis. Jake is not throwing to, you know, um, uh, look, like, look at the receivers in BC. Jake doesn't have that caliber of receiver here currently. You had Reggie go off for 140 yards last week and now he's injured. So now I think Reggie and Malik are, are worthy of, of being discussed in that stratosphere. I think they're top 10, but I don't know that either of them are top five. That's an interesting debate that we should have on this podcast when both of us have more time. That's so Yes, important. absolutely. That's um, but I, and, and with respect to them, again, a, a top 10 receiver in the league still means that you're the number one guy on your team. Yeah. But I don't know that either of them would be considered, you know, I, I think you might put a couple guys ahead of them um, in the league when you look at guys like Kenny Lawler and Gino Lewis and, and uh, Rhymes in BC. Um, I think there are other guys that that are getting those spots well, when you're, if you're doing a pure fantasy draft. And completely. You know? and, and I think that that is – people are going to say, oh, you guys are being too easy on Jake, too easy. Like, no, like I, I do think like there is a little bit – there looked at times to be a lack of confidence that I didn't that, – that is concerning, except that's a young co- quarterback. They need to build their confidence. Yes. And I, I think that Calgary fans have been so spoiled with quarterbacks over the years that right. potentially they are not – they're just not used to the fact that it's not always going to be the 99th percentile. Sometimes you're going to have to deal with a quarterback who is trying to figure it out. And especially, you know, Bo always had his go-to targets, whether that was Mark Way McDaniel, whether that was Eric Rodgers. And I think that you need to build that as a quarterback with your receivers, unless you have a Geno Lewis who it's like, I'm just going to toss the ball up and they're going to go. Right. Or a Dominic Grimes or or one of those guys. Um, And that doesn't seem to be there right now, but there's a couple of things. I don't think that that means that it's, it's not ever going to be possible and a little bit of patience and a little bit of understanding that, you know, this is a guy who is still, this is still his first season with a training camp as a starter. Yes. And it's, it's touch and go a little bit right now. I'll be honest with you, a pass to the right side of the end zone where, what was it? I don't know. I don't know if it was the safety, but where a second DB floats in and catches it. That's not the first time I've seen a Calgary Stampeders quarterback throw that i can go back to or it. any quarterback exactly every like you know jake said it in his post game last night he said i don't regret the throw i regret the result you know he said i saw a guy that i thought would be open at the back of the end zone and i tried to hit him and you know it was a little underthrown yeah um, Dave dickinson was very clear that he doesn't play for ties when i asked him about being a little yes. bit more conservative in that situation and that's fine almost I, aggressively so there are not many times where dave seems to get heated like i think that was maybe as heated as i've seen dave get in afterwards and i don't even mean that like as a as a negative towards you at all um no, no, for asking know. the question but he was very emphatic he's not paying for ties he wants to win games um and i don't think that there's a problem with that i don't think there should be a problem with that um and and i think you know it, it's it is a part of a growth process. You still have Jake, who is less than he's. That was what his fifteenth career start yesterday. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm not fully going to use that as an excuse. Like, I no, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not excusing, but you you took all his receivers away, and and that's not to take anything away from the guys that were on the field, but none of the guys on the, not a single one of the guys on the field would be considered a number one receiver last night no. uh, after Malik went down. After Malik went down. So in the second half, I don't even think you had anyone that's considered a number two 
receiver on any team in this league right now. No, I think Odom's Dukes has that potential, but, and I mean, this is the other thing with Jake is he said on that throw, he was like, you can make the argument that I should throw it, have tossed that ball like a little bit long. He's like, except I was throwing overthrowing all, all games. So I tried. Yeah. To he hadn't hit a long throw. Yeah. All day. But, which he and, acknowledged. And, and I mean, that is the thing with Jake because he takes accountability. But my whole thing yeah. is, and I, I mean, I, I'm just not responding to people on Jake right now because I would preach patience. And to be perfectly honest with you, with all of these injuries, I, I'm beginning to wonder if this season is going to go a little bit off the rails, at least in terms of record. Um, but I get, whenever the Stamps aren't playing, I get, you know, on Twitter, I, I get all these people saying, like, the standard of quarterbacking has never been as low in the CFL. There's no good quarterbacks. And it's like, then Jake plays and people are like, Jake's the problem. It's like, well, what other, like, okay, yeah. you take Zach. Okay, okay, right now you take Vernon. But, like, I don't know yes. that Trevor Harris was demolished. I actually don't know that I do take Vernon. I, I do right now, and I'm going to give him credit. I think, I'm not going to. I think Vernon is, Vernon is a, a mid-range quarterback to me in a magnificent system. Vernon is I'm, a guy that is incredibly benefiting from his system. And what shows me that is that Vernon couldn't keep a job anywhere before this system vernon was constantly being replaced as the starter vernon was constantly being um being run out of town and everywhere he went until he got into this offensive system maybe and coaches should build a talent. maybe so, coaches should look at the talent that they haven't built the system around it that would be my i opinion. think bc yeah bc has more talent yeah. and i think that vernon as a middle range quarterback can be very successful in that system this is why i have um, having you on because i love your I, I, I love your takes. I like, right. I'm not necessarily disagreeing that long term, Brandon Adams for me is the second best quarterback in the CFL. But right now, he is the guy. Like, he deserves to be named. It's just like, I don't know that Trevor Harris was that much better yesterday. Cody Fajardo, I like, I'm not going to talk about the LOS right now, but hey, look, man, he's been better this season than he was last season. That's for sure. Um, but like, it's not like we're, he's the ninth best quarterback in the league. You know, no. Ottawa. Ottawa doesn't have a quarterback. Edmonton doesn't have a quarterback. Well, we'll, we'll see what Masoli is when he comes back. For sure, but they haven't so far. I mean, I, like, they, I, yeah, they haven't I can't had one project forward. Like, the fact is, I, I, I think Jake deserves a little bit more grace than he's getting, and people are just so focused on quarterbacks in this league always. And I just love crazy. the idea that he ran the ball. There were yeah. a couple times where I was screaming, run, 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 the room is there, and he did take it. And that, to me, is is a step forward for Jake. I think the ability to take off, to, to, to scramble, to get out of the pocket, and to make something happen with his feet is a benefit. I want to see it more he's... because, to be honest, I don't always – I didn't love the way when pressure came yesterday that he released the ball. I, I thought there were some ill-advised throws um, under pressure, and that's, again, young quarterback. I'd like to see him moving around a little bit so that potentially – And a young offensive play. line. Yep, absolutely. Um, On the he outside. sure did. I didn't think the offensive line was was terrible yesterday. I think sometimes you got to give the riders or like the opposing team some credit too, and they've got a pretty good. Oh yeah, deal. the riders were in the backfield all the time. Their yeah. defensive backs played really, really well. I think it's it's unfortunate. I mean, we saw what Jake did against a bad team in Ottawa. He he lit them up, mm -hmm. he lit them up, um, and against a great team in BC, let like Calgary scored more points against BC than any team any other team they played. Calgary played BC better than Winnipeg did. Yeah. So is that a is that a byproduct now of Calgary just having a weird schedule to start? I mean, do they go one and three after this week or after the bye week? Probably. I I would 
Winnipeg's. I mean, for the first time in a long time, I'm in not going to feel Stan like Peter's players watching. I'm not saying Winnipeg's going to beat you, but I'm saying all indications are that Winnipeg should win that. It's game. and and I don't even think I don't even think it's it's a you know I think if they're going to win that game, they're going to have to win that game with the defense. I and and respect to the players on the offense, but I don't think that they're going to come out and and you know with even if they do get reinforcements bringing them in and putting them into a system is not what they're going to do. This Stampeders team, since Dave Dickinson's been head coach, have not come out of the gate well. They are typically a 500 team by Labor Day. And at Labor Day, then all since of a sudden, they reel off. I mean, since for the last couple of years, that's probably true. Well, yeah, I guess the, the early days of uh, it's since both shoulder surgery, they have yes. been a 500 team come Labor Day. Um, not and, last year, were they? Last year, didn't they go? They were floating around it, and they they went. They got hot in the back half of the season. I know that they went into Winnipeg, and like you're probably right because they lost. They're four they and two, I think, and then they. Well, no, they, they yeah. So I think they were four and zero oh going into Winnipeg, and that was like Winnipeg was five and zero, oh, and then I think that they lost to Winnipeg, lost to BC. So it was you're right. They were floating around, like they weren't. Yeah, yeah, they, they weren't. weren't world beaters by Labor Day. But this yeah. team does has seemed historically to turn it on once their players get into the system, once they become comfortable, because you have so many players playing so many new positions every season that it does take a while to gel and they try and peak for the playoffs. Now that hasn't happened since 2018. You know, they haven't won. Uh, they haven't won. Game. They haven't got to the great cup since, but they're still a playoff team every season. And would it surprise me to see them be a playoff team this year? no, not at all. They could be a crossover team for the first time. I think that's possible um, that they end up as a crossover team for the first time. But I mean, with I don't see thing. I don't see the East being better than the fourth place team in the West. No, I mean I think that's the Ottawa question there. I mean Hamilton, it appears, is sort of a complete trash fire. Um, so I, I have trouble seeing Hamilton getting a, having a better record at the end of the year than the Stamps. And I mean that's that's the thing for whatever. I'm honestly, I don't think either of us are being critical of anybody. I just think that like there's a reality when it comes to the injury situation, and it's hard to see them passing a three and O Lions team and then a, a Bombers team that, you know, whether there were concerns, and I'm going to be talking to Jeff Hamilton about those later based on this week's game. I mean, it's still the Bombers. They still, they're still pretty good. Um, yeah. But with all that we're saying, everyone's saying, oh, Jake was terrible, whatever. It took double overtime for the Riders to beat these guys. So I, I yes, I. It's the result. It's the wins and the loss. This goes down as a loss for the Stamps and a win for the Riders. But um, and the Stamps did score ten points in the last five minutes. Oh, I I like the down fourth 10 quarter. Late in the fourth quarter, and they came back to send it to overtime and and had a shot at winning it in overtime with that pass. Completely. Now Marshall makes a great play, um, but they had a shot in overtime of of winning it on that pass. Um, so I, I think the the sky is dark, but it's certainly not falling. In Calgary, and I think early season results. Everybody's always quick to write off the Stampeders and feel glee that for the first time in their professional careers they can see the Stampeders not be a contender. Um, but until we get to, you know, until we get into it and they're not in the playoff picture with three or four weeks to go, I don't. I wouldn't write this team off. No, I think that's fair. Um, I'm going to let you go here because you got to go play some slow pitch. Um, yes, there's an area where we are not going to talk about it on my podcast because we are fundamentally opposed to the approach to um, 
to slow pitch and I believe uh, uh, the expression walk. the expression as it goes is he gets on base. <laughs> so do I. I just swing the bat. Um, but buddy, thank you so much, man. I, I honestly, I know just for people who who aren't aware, Ryan had an incredibly busy day and took time, so I really, really appreciate it. And I just think uh, it's important. Actually, I mean, I, I think the Stampeders injury situation is one of the biggest stories in the league right now. So thank you for coming on. Uh, I My pleasure, man. Anytime I can be of help, you just let me know. You bet. Good luck at slow pitch, buddy. Cheers. Thanks. All right. We're going to wrap up here a little bit. Uh, I want to thank Jeff Hamilton. I want to thank Ryan Ballantyne. Um, that was awesome. I really appreciate them coming in, wrapping up the weekend for me. Uh, really appreciate my people at Fraser and Fig for uh, for sponsoring the show. Um, you know, I, I've talked about them a couple times on the show, but I will talk about them again. And this is a product that I love. Um, you know, they do this cheese, charcuterie. It's all fresh artisanal ingredients uh pick up delivery this couple weeks ago to picnic had a really really nice time um you know they do these cheese and charcuterie boxes they're curated with local and artisanal ingredients they got four sizes for literally every occasion including my little picnic a little bit a little bit of white wine one of these charcuterie boxes you're good people are gonna be impressed uh meat cheese dried fruit fresh fruit nuts olives pickles carrots uh, it's everything you could ask for honestly this is i really really recommend this is um it's awesome, and I appreciate them being our sponsor. So um, thank you to Jeff and Ryan. That is it for me, and uh, have a good weekend, guys. Week, not weekend. This is coming out on a Monday. Have a good week. Also have a good weekend, but mostly have a good week. That comes first. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.